Hey guys, what's going on? I'm Jen Rosenbaum. Welcome to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast. Uh, today's going to be amazing. I have Jessica Persini on today. She's an emotional eating healer and the founder of Escape from Emotional Eating, which I was just telling Jessica actually that um, it's so. I find it so interesting that these podcasts sort of fall in line in my life just as I need them. And Jessica said, oh, it's just like a, a personal learning library. And it is. And this morning, I had a little conversation with myself <laughs> that said, stop eating, Jen. Just stop eating so damn much. It's not going to make it better. Um, you know, I've been going through a lot of stuff in my personal life and I just had surgery a few weeks ago. So there's a lot of like just trying to make everything better with chocolate. And and your answer was, it's not that easy, right? So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not that easy. All right. So Jessica, please introduce yourself. Tell us in your own words, what do you do? And then we're going to dive into some awesome questions. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about emotional eating, what it is, what it isn't, and how we heal it. Um, I am the founder and creator of Escape from Emotional Eating, and I'm really on a mission to help busy, successful, driven women use food as fuel instead of a way to cope, soothe, or escape from their busy, stressful lives. I created Escape from Emotional Eating directly from my own decade of research and personal experience in healing my own emotional eating because almost a thousand hours in therapy never cut it when it came to healing my relationship with food. Overeaters Anonymous never resonated with me and I just knew there had to be something else. Um, so this comes directly from my experience and over a decade of research and helping hundreds of other people heal their relationship with food in all the various ways that I support them, whether it's my retreats called The Escape, my year-long programs, uh, workshops and interviews like this one, even to my weekly newsletter that goes out. I'm just so passionate about educating people about emotional eating and literally the step-by-step and -step how we can be free. That's amazing. I love that you're doing that. And I love that it comes from your experience because I always say that, um, you know, our struggles are really given to us for a reason. We just have to find the reason. So it sounds like you really took your struggle and turned it into a purpose. Totally. Yeah. And I know for a lot of people who struggle with emotional eating, like emotional eating can feel like such a burden one of the things that I do in my work is really supporting them in seeing the actual gift of compulsion. Like compulsion is always a sign that we need something, but it's usually coming through in a language that we don't understand. Mm. So when we can understand, like, what is it that we really are hungry for on an mm. emotional, spiritual level, then like our compulsions are just like directions of the universe. They're like, here, grow here. This is where you need to go. Um, and looking back, healing my emotional eating was one of the greatest gifts of my life. It was the best thing that I ever did, including like on top of like getting married, like still emotional healing my emotional eating is by far the best thing I have ever done in my entire mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So I, I want to talk about what you said was so powerful about, you know, what do you really need? And I feel like that's sort of just jumping in like 
with two feet right now, because I do want to talk about like, what is emotional eating and all of that. So mm-hmm. which one do you want to do first? Because I just feel like you hit the nail on the head and I want to, I, I want to go there, but let's talk about maybe what emotional eating is first. And then we'll get back to that. Yeah. Let's definitely set the stage. Um, so emotional eating is using food for a purpose other than fuel. It is using food for any other purpose other than fuel. Now, a lot of people get upset when I say that and they're like, wait, 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 what, Jessica, like, isn't eating supposed to be an emotional experience? Only in a secondary way. So when you're making your way towards food, you really want to ask yourself, first, am I physically hungry? Like, is that the main driver behind this experience? And if it's not, Like if we're not physically hungry, or even if we feel hungry all the time, even after we just ate, those are symptoms that it's emotional eating. When we put emotion first as the primary intention for why we're eating, it's emotional eating. Emotions always come secondary when when we are interacting with food. But when the emotions come first and we're eating because we're sad or we're stressed, overwhelmed, or we just feel numb. Uh, that is definitely emotional eating. Now, I want to also clarify that emotional eating has nothing to do with how much you weigh, how much you ate, how healthy or unhealthy you eat. You can overeat healthy food. You can have no weight to lose and be an emotional eater. You can have hundreds of pounds to lose and be an emotional eater. It doesn't have anything to do with what you're doing. It has everything to do with why you are eating. Mm. And that is everything. Mm. So how do you know if you're emotionally eating? How do you know? Because I don't think that it's always like, oh, I feel sad. I'm going to go for a pint of ice cream. It's more of like, uh, I'm going to go get something to eat. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, so there is a level of consciousness that has to come with the healing emotional eating process. If we're unconscious to what we're doing, then anything goes, right? And we can't heal something that we're not really clear what's going on. Mm -hmm. So the first step when anything is just starting to open our eyes and be curious of like, well, well, am I making my way towards food because I'm physically hungry Mm. or is there something else going on? Uh, So for example, for me, um, like a lot of my emotional eating would happen after a long stressful day. I would come home from work, walk in the door, not even take my coat off sometimes Mm. and go right to the pantry. Now, part of it was it was a long day and I was hungry but very much it was I need to eat because I'm stressed. I want relief from this stress. I want to change the way that I feel in my body and in my mind. I want a reward at the end of the day. And then I'm sort of hungry at the same time. So that cascade of desires is totally an emotional eating experience. Mm -hmm. So it starts with that curiosity. It starts with like, wait a second, let me just take a moment and really ask myself, like, what am I doing? Mm. What, like, why am I in the kitchen right now if I just ate lunch five minutes ago? Mm-hmm. You know, is it that I need a break 
And I'm just using a snack as an excuse to give myself a break because I feel guilty just saying, hey, I need a break and mm-hmm. I just need some time. Right. And it's 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 so tangled beneath the surface. I mm-hmm. I really wish emotional eating was such a black and white thing, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can start to untangle it when we start to understand, like, are you physically hungry? Mm-hmm. And if not, then what else is going on here? You had mentioned Overeaters Anonymous. Um, so is there is emotional eating and overeating or or having a food addiction the same thing? I don't believe that it is. So I was an emotional eater, but I would never say that I had an addiction to food. Mm. Um, For me, my relationship with food felt very compulsive. Um, It was overwhelming. It was pretty all-consuming, but I would have never said I have an addiction to food. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is a line between, you know, full-on food addiction and emotional eating or even full-on eating disorder and emotional eating. Mm-hmm. And I think it really is about um, a level of consciousness, but also a le- like also kind of about the person. Mm. Um, so like, there are a number of reasons why Overeaters Anonymous didn't resonate with me. Um, when I tried to go, I just never really saw myself like in that group. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just wasn't where I could find myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I also come from many, many generations of alcoholism in my family. So trying to go the 12-step route was like just sort of repeating past family generation patterns and all Mm. that crap. Um, And then I just sort of felt like, like, so in Overeaters Anonymous, there is a bit of a perspective that you'll never be healed Mm -hmm. from your overeating. Mm -hmm. And for me, I wanted healing. I wanted freedom. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't want to live with this for the rest of my life. And I think that's what really had me say like, okay, Overeaters Anonymous is just really not for me um, because because of all of those factors. Um, And I was actually thinking about this when I was walking my dog today that like when it comes to emotional eating, there are so few resources available to heal it. That's why I do the work that I do because that was my experience. It was like overeaters anonymous or bust kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But like, even if we look at the variety of workouts that are available, there are like billions of different kinds of workouts, different ways you can move your body to get to the same goal of a healthy physical body. But when it comes to emotional eating, it's like we have Overeaters Anonymous or therapy. Mm. And for me, neither of those were an option. I spent 932 hours in therapy. And I can say from that experience, it did not heal my relationship with food. Overeaters Anonymous was not an option. And then for me, it was like, well, where do I go? Like, what mm. do I do? What are my options? There was nothing. Mm. And so many people, especially the women that I work with, they're like, 
you know, I have been looking for you for my entire life. And I'm so glad that you do the work that you do and the way that you do it because they're like, there are very few people that understand that it's not just about moving more and eating healthier. Like there's so much more to it, but it's also not in that like full on extreme of like, I have an addiction in the same way an alcoholic would have an addiction to, to alcohol. It's not, there are similarities, but it's not the same. And it's also a different, um, you know, as far as addiction is concerned and emotional eating, I would imagine it's different because you have to have food every day. You don't have to have a drink every day. You don't have to, you know, but this is something you do need to have to live. And so therefore it complicates it. Total. Like we can't, abstinence is not an option. And a lot of people try to do that because it usually is like, well, if I can't control myself with food, I'm just not going to buy certain foods. I'm not going to keep certain foods in the house. But I experience this like literally every day of my life now that I'm so glad that I healed my relationship with food because my husband eats very differently than I do. He Mm. like our freezer is stocked with ice cream and Mm -hmm. we have cookies in the pantry. We have candy. Like you can't abstain from this. And I think that's truly one of the greatest gifts about emotional eating is that like the freedom that we feel because we have to interact with it multiple times a day Mm -hmm. for the rest of our lives. There is nothing else that we do with that frequency. And that is really why I believe our relationship with food is our greatest portal for healing. Mm-hmm. Because we have to face ourselves every single day, multiple times a day. And we can either do it in a chaotic, compulsive way, or we can do it from a place of real freedom, peace, and integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And as far as relationships are concerned, it's probably your most important relationship, you know, maybe besides the one to yourself, because like you say, you engage in it so often and mm-hmm. it does. I, and I'm I'm saying this to you because I'm coming off of a place where you know I go I'm on the roller coaster right like I either eat like super healthy I'm juicing and I'm vegan and I'm you know or I'm like give me the cheeseburger and the ice cream after and a side of fries and a, you know like I just there I don't know what it is it's just like a, a a little bit of a roller coaster for me you know you don't feel well when you're not eating well also. Right. And that's really where I was this morning where I'm like, okay, this doesn't feel good. And this doesn't feel good, um, you know, because you're not eating the foods you're, and my body's telling me, right? Like I'm having headaches or swelling or whatever. My mm-hmm. body's saying to me, listen, you're not putting the right things in me. And mm-hmm. my emotions are saying to me, even if you're get, eating these things, it doesn't matter because you're, you know, I'm still here, <laughs> right? right? I'm still, you're st- the, the eating doesn't, the chewing doesn't actually take me away. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then you just feel bad all around and you feel bad emotionally and physically, which then makes it difficult to conquer anything. Oh, it is one of the biggest burdens. And like, I just speak from my own experience that like being an emotional eater was literally, literally felt like I was living in quicksand. Mm. Like I was, you know, like I guess it's more from like cartoon characters, but they like try to get out of quicksand and just like pulls them back. And my relationship with food was holding me back so much in my life. And I often think about like, 
I sort of think in two different ways. Like I think like how grateful I am that, you know, I healed it, but also like, what if I didn't? Mm. Like, what if I was still struggling with food? And I can tell you, like, I would not be talking to you right now. Mm -hmm. I would definitely not be married because there's no way I would let someone get that intimate with me physically or mentally or emotionally. Um, I wouldn't have time to date because all I'd be thinking about was food all the time Mm. um, or trying to work off what I ate. I, I would be significantly overweight, miserable, like I just often think about like, what if I didn't? Mm. And that's really where, you know, I continually come to this place of gratitude of like, man, this, it was a journey. Like it did not happen overnight. It wasn't like a six week program that Mm -hmm. I did. And all of a sudden I was like free. And the work sometimes was, was difficult. I'm not going to like sugarcoat it, but it was so worth it. Mm -hmm. It was so worth it. So let's get back to your original point of, you know, people having really other things that they need to heal, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and the emotional eating is trying to fill that void. How did, how does that, can you speak about that a little bit more? I don't really know what the right question is about that, but can you speak about that a little bit more and really what the root causes of this are? Yeah. So from my experience and from that decade of research that I did and I continue to do, what I discovered were the four roots of emotional eating. So we take any eating experience, emotional eating experience, and we follow it down to the root. We'll find one or a combination of the four roots, and they are fear, hypervigilance, self-abnegation, and judgment or a mm-hmm. form of self-loathing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, and they create like a tangled up ball of emotions and feelings. And with each of those roots, there are correlating uh, emotional needs, what I call the four emotional food groups. So we take any experience, we follow it down to the root, we can identify the coping mechanism that's activated, and then we can also identify the emotional hunger. And from there, when we have that, then we can start the healing process. Then it becomes so blatantly obvious that like cookies are not the answer here, right? It's so (laughs) much deeper than that. And then we can start to do the mental and the emotional work to help nourish on an emotional level. Like so much of what I'm saying, so much of the work that I do is is invisible, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I think that's the crazy thing about emotional eating is that people think it's so tangible because we're using food, but it's not. Like, and that's why it's a problem is because we're using a tangible thing like food to try to fill something that's so invisible and so intangible mm. that it creates, you know, health problems amongst mm. other things. So when we start to look at the roots, right, just like, just like weeding a garden, we can pull it out from the root for it to never grow back again, or we can take a shortcut and just chop it off at the soil level, that weed's going to grow back. You just chop it off at the top. And that's sort of what diets, meal plans, and therapy do is they just sort of take care of the symptoms, mm-hmm. but they don't take care of the roots. And if we don't take care of the roots, then we're never really free. 
Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, there's that expression, uh, the issues are in the tissues. <laughs> I don't yes. know if you've ever heard. Yeah. So I wonder, um, you know, how much of this comes from our parents? I mean, I know for me that I, and I'm, I'm trying to be very cognizant of this. I have two children and often, you know, even my daughter, especially would be like sad. And I'll be like, let's go get a cookie, you know, or mm-hmm. here's a lollipop. This will cheer you up or whatever. How much of this are we teaching our children at, or modeling it for them um, mm-hmm. throughout, you know, like, like, I just wonder sometimes where it came from that we correlate food and comfort um, in the first place. Well, if you think about it, our first food experience comes from our mothers and it comes from a place of love and safety and connection and, you know, all of those things. So, so our relationship with food is very much connected to our family patterns and habits and behaviors. Um, For me, um, you know, love my family to death and I come from parents who are emotional eaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and like emotional eating is a learned behavior. And mm-hmm. for so many of us, it's unconsciously learned. We can learn it from our parents, but I think the other thing that we really need to start being aware of is that it also comes from cultural learning, mm-hmm. right? Of like what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, things like that. Um, so as parents and as adults, we have a duty to our children to first heal our relationship with food. Mm -hmm. So we're not passing these patterns on and then to having healed our own relationship, then we can be the teachers and the models for the children to say, Hey, like stress eating is not okay. In the same way that drawing on the walls is not okay, right, right? Right. It's really not that different, right? If you think about it, like drawing on the walls and then emotionally eating, you're basically like ruining the walls of your body. Mm-hmm. So we have to be the teachers and the models. We have to. We have to be the ones who rewrite history in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get a lot of questions about, you know, what do I do if my child is emotional eating and and I always say, like, it, we got to start at the roots, and we and where the roots start, honestly, is with the parents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is something that, that definitely, uh, you know, I am I I am Jewish, and I always joke that. I mean, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I always joke that I probably, like, in my last life, was like in the depression, or I was like, you know, coming over from Europe, and like, because everywhere I go, I'm like, well, we have to pack food. Like, what if there's no food? Like, what if God forbid? You know, like, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, if it's a, um, there's just something about it. Like, even anywhere I go, I'll be like, well, I'll just put a protein bar. Like, God forbid, I should, you know, not eat for a few hours which is so bizarre because I, I, I don't know where that comes from. Most of the time I don't even eat it, but it's like, you always have to be prepared. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's something I, I say to my kids, like, you know, we're traveling to Philly this week and I'll be like, what do you guys want to bring in the car? In case, mm-hmm. you know, it's in case you get bored, in case you get hungry, in case you get, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, as parents we're like, well, you should have a lollipop in case you need to put something in your mouth. So I don't have to hear you talking the whole time, but yeah. no, I'm, te- I'm teasing, but not, not teasing. But, um, you know, we use food in so many different ways, but also sometimes the comfort of just knowing it's available if you need it is like comfort enough, even if you don't eat it. And I just, 
you know, I find that so interesting. I always tell everybody, like I said, I'm, I must have been from the depression in my past life, you know, like I, I, I'm a hoarder of food, you know, like we'll go out, we'll buy, oh, we have to buy five cans of this and four cans. Why? Yeah. You know, like I live down the street from a grocery store. Why? So that was something that I used to do when I was emotionally um, eating is I would overbuy a lot of food and it was like the safety mechanism. Like food was my safety blanket. As long as I had a fully stocked fridge, pantry, and snacks in my bag, I knew I could handle anything. Right. And the same thing, like at, when I worked my corporate job, like I had a food drawer. Mm-hmm. And if something happened at work, I went right to that food drawer and I could handle it. But in reality, it wasn't really handling it. I was just distracting from it and, mm-hmm. you know, eating. Um, but that is something, you know, it is a symptom of emotional eaters where we'll have this weird, irrational, in some ways, fear that we may not be able to feed ourselves when we need it. Mm -hmm. And that thinking then feeds the emotional eating cycle. It's like, okay, well, if I can't give myself what I need when I need it, then I'm going to overeat in this experience here Mm -hmm. to make sure that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you can already see, like, as I'm laying this out, like how much mental energy goes behind this, which is just like unnecessary. Mm-hmm. But then like, so that's where the healing starts, right? Mm-hmm. And starting to look at the fear, right? And that was a, a fear that I would often experience is like when like I was eating, I would sort of have this weird fear that I wouldn't eat again. Mm-hmm. And like, when I say that out loud, so many people are like, oh my God, I feel that way too. Oh my God, I know what you're talking about, but no one's talking about this Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And when we can start to give voice to it and we can start to express it, it's like, oh my gosh, it's not just me. Mm. And then, you know, there's an opportunity for healing, but yeah, always had snacks in my bag, was always overeating to like um, push off any fear that I might get hungry too soon mm-hmm. or I won't be able to eat what I need when I need it. And yeah, no longer my reality. <laughs> Which is so funny because I remember, um, one time I was working with, um, like a nutrition coach and I remember him saying to me, you know, if you're at a place where there's nothing for you to eat, right. Cause he wanted me to like eat certain things and not other things if there's a place where there's nothing for you to eat and you didn't bring anything, just don't eat. You can live for whatever, how many days without food, just drink some water. When you get home, you'll have something to eat. You're not going to die, even if you're feeling hungry. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. And I try to remind myself of that in moments, like getting on an airplane or like, what if we're sitting on the runway or what if we're, what if, what if, what if, what if? And I'm always like, you know, you're not going to die. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. You know, like just remind yourself, talk yourself off the ledge a little bit, but it's, it's not easy. Uh, no. Cause literally when you said like, just don't eat my ears perked up and I was I like, I saw your what? expression. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> like to funny. some emotional eaters, it would be like, uh, what did you just say? Like, yeah. just don't eat. Like, cause it doesn't, it doesn't feel that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, for a lot of emotional eaters is like, if you take food away from me, it does feel like it, I'm going to die mm-hmm. because it's such a safety mechanism. It's such a cope. It's such a way that we soothe and we can escape. Um, 
And that's why when I work with my clients, we don't even begin touching food. We start with the energy. Mm. We start with emotional fitness because if you say to an emotional eater, just don't eat, they're going to walk away. They're going to turn around and be like, you just don't get it. And I would imagine there's a correlation between emotional eating and good emotions also, you know, mm-hmm. birthday cake and celebrations and drinking and, and all of those things that, well, you know, I see it a lot even with friends like, well, what do you mean you're not drinking? We're out. It's Saturday night. We're having fun. You have to have a drink. Right. You know, do I? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there's, there's correlations to food with good emotions as well. Yeah. And that's, um, so I teach a process called digesting emotions. Um, and, and it's a way to help process anything that may feel emotionally overwhelming, Mm. but it takes the whole, like, feel your feelings one step further to be able to really transform your feelings so you can be free. Mm. But as a part of that process, yes, we have like feelings of mad and sad and bad and, you know, dark emotions, But there's also the emotion of glad and we have to be able to process and really feel and really uh, digest our happiness in a healthy way Mm. or otherwise it turns into a way that we sabotage ourselves or it turns into a mechanism that we just escape from. Mm. Like the body often can't really tell the difference between positive intense emotions and negative intense emotions Mm -hmm. it just feels like stimulation Mm -hmm. and it's our minds that put the label on it is this positive or negative but for someone with patterns of emotional eating it doesn't matter whether it's sad or happy we can eat for any reason that we're feeling any sensation in an intense way to an emotional eater is actually a threat. Mm. And we have to start working with it rather than ignoring it and just eating our feelings. Yeah, I love that. I I love what you're doing. I think it's so powerful. Uh, And I'm sure there's so many people out there that are going to feel the same way. So if they want to learn more about your program, where can they find you? Escapefromemotionaleating.com. So If anyone who's listening, if you feel like you want to know if you're an emotional eater or you feel like using food to cope, soothe, or escape uh, is holding you back, go to escapefromemotionaleating.com right now. There's a free quiz. Take the quiz. It'll give you your results. You'll learn more about your relationship with food, and you'll also learn your next steps from there because we're we're meant to have a peaceful, loving, healthy relationship with food. If we don't, that means something's gone wrong mentally, emotionally, physically, and we can get back there. We can have that peaceful, loving relationship with food. We just have to d- learn to do things differently. So escapefromemotionaleating.com, take the quiz, find out more about your relationship with food, and we'll go from there. I love that. I'm going to go take the quiz now. So <laughs> see you guys later. No. <laughs> uh, no, Jessica, I really appreciate you being here today. Really, uh, you've shed some light on this and you're right. People are not talking about it. And I always say this again and again, women need to talk more about the struggles that they're going through in their lives because chances are you're not alone and we need to support each other through it. So I applaud you in the work that you're doing and sharing your struggle. So I appreciate that. 
And uh, yeah, I'm so glad you're here. You guys, if you love this podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. I mess that up every week. Um, And recommend us to a girlfriend. Um, I appreciate you all listening. Love you so much and always welcome your feedback. Have an amazing day.